1: You know, an old turkey in the springtime, it comes around, and all winter long, he's walked around out there in the woods. He picked up an acorn and a, you know, a beech mash, or maybe a dogwood berry, just whatever he can find. You know, he's hungry. People out there are deer hunting with them dogs, run him every day, he's got to fly somewhere else, and somebody's shooting at him with a rifle or a shotgun. It's really a rough life. But then, every spring, you know, the sun comes out, and the trees start blooming, and the birds start singing, and that little old hen, she gets an urge. It just comes around. And and that old hen, she'll get up early in the morning. She'll call real low. And after three or four mornings doing this here, she'll run up on a goblin. Gotcha. You know, that's one of them other kinds. And they'll rub up against each other. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, they start this thing, you know. And, it don't happen but once a year. If it didn't happen but once a year to you folks, you might get up at four o'clock in the morning and start
0: gobbling on the land, too. That was the voice of Ben Rogers Lee of Coffeeville, Alabama. And for those of you that don't know who Ben Lee was, he was arguably the most influential turkey hunter of our time. And if you caught the was, I'll let you know right now that, that Ben Lee passed away in a single car accident in 1991. And the the influence and passion this man had was unrivaled in his time. Uh, but his life wasn't without fault and, and pain and tragedy. And I, I think it's important for you to understand who Ben Lee was. And I know that at the end of our story, You will see why Ben and his impact still matters today. And I think that that you're going to learn some pretty wild stuff you didn't know about the post-Restoration
2: era. He breathed life in renewal of something that had been gone for over a century.
3: There was something about, especially in the North, there was something about a big old round teddy bear type guy with that Southern voice come up there with bib overhauls on and a white t-shirt underneath it. Okay. And he's yelping on a Turkey call and everybody and just cutting up jokes and carrying on and, and, and everybody just loved it.
4: Just like promoting Turkey hunting and Turkey calling. Cause I think honestly he, he could see where, where this thing was going. I mean, I honestly do. He, he had a knack for, uh, and it was, it wasn't just Rob and I, I mean, for heaven's sakes, you got Tom Stuckey, you got Paul Buskey, you got Larry Norton, uh, you got Eddie Salter to some extent, uh, and, and the list goes on of people that he helped along the way in this
0: industry. If you stop and reflect on the past and you, look at the people that influenced your hunting culture your hunting heritage today and and influenced all of our modern hunting culture today who who do you think of so I, I you know our hunting heritage is filled with people that that not only influenced us today as hunters but but helped shape uh you know american identity and american history for you know decades Centuries back, Uh, so th- so think of Daniel Boone. That guy might be the most famous hunter of all time. Theodore Roosevelt, David Crockett, Jim Bridger—these are guys. There, there are examples of hunters, of pioneers, outdoorsmen that helped lay the groundwork for for America. Just like they've helped lay the groundwork and the foundation for our hunting heritage that we have today. But what about the people that aren't? Is well known. And, and when I talk about our culture, our heritage as hunters today, I want you to understand I'm talking, I'm talking very broadly here. I'm talking big picture. Every one of us has someone that taught us how to hunt. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the people that, that came before us that influenced not only us, but the ones that taught us and that taught our mentors, mentors. So it's, it's kind of our lineage as turkey hunters, if, if you will. So back to my question, what about the hunters that have impacted others during their time and, and think about the impact and, and the, the, continues today, uh, you know, big, big picture. So there might not have been podcasts or documentaries or tons of books written about them, but, but their impact is, is generational. Uh, if, if someone says the name, I want you to think about this. If someone says the name Ishi, what do you think of what do you know about that man? Saxon Pope, Otto Loopold, John Muir. When I say those names, what do you think about who, what, you know, what, what memory do you have of them or do you understand their impact on your life today? So I, i let me kind of frame this question a little closer to home today. So, if you're a turkey hunter listening to this show, you'll probably know these guys: Toxie Hayes, Custer, and Will Primus, Mike Pentecost, Tom Kelly, Dave Owens. You know what has their direct impact been on your turkey hunting life, oh, or even indirect? And so, so these are just examples of of men that have impacted just a, a huge number of turkey hunters across the decades. It's almost like um, uh, like six degrees of the wild turkey. Uh, that's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon reference for those of you that need to Google that. Uh, anyway, back to it. So, so I, I, I use these just like handful of guys as, as kind of uh, as an example. But my point is the impact and influence that people have on us might be subtle, but it is profound. And so if, if we look at it's just the years move by as, as, as time just instant forward. I, I think it's important for us as, as turkey hunters to be curious about our past. I think it's important for turkey hunters to understand and appreciate, you know, the hunters that came before us. And, you know, once again, if we look at time, big picture here, you know, modern turkey hunting, it's, it's still fairly new. It's still fairly young. Uh, You know, we, we live, we're fortunate to live in a a post restoration world. Uh, And for years, hunters across this country have hunted, you know, just strong, thriving, turkey populations and and really if you think about it depending on how old you might be, you might be just one generation removed uh, from a time when there were barely any turkeys running around uh, this country. So think about this immediately immediately post- restoration the turkey hunting community uh, it was small it was close-knit it was in some instances unwelcoming. Um, and and Ben Lee changed all of that. And so over the next couple of episodes, we're going to explore the life, the legend, and the legacy of Ben Rogers Lee. Uh, You're going to hear some of the funniest, wildest, and and, and honestly, some of the saddest stories imaginable uh, all revolving around Ben. And they're all told, all of these stories are from the perspective of the people that knew him best, that lived this post-restoration time. Uh, with with Ben uh, by his side. So, welcome to the Turkey Season Podcast. This is Episode 1, The Life of Ben Rogers Lee. Hey guys, it's Paul with TurkeySeason.com. I can't thank you enough for listening to this podcast. Please go to turkeyseason.com check out all the cool merchandise all the cool hats the shirts that we have available if you're looking for a turkey call got you covered uh really the coolest thing on turkeyseason.com is the map if you click on the map link at the top of the page that's going to bring you to an interactive map with all 49 states that have a wild turkey spring season click on the state that you're looking to gather information on we've got season dates bag limits license costs for residents non-residents uh, and statistical data from years uh, past, harvest data. We've got weather data all curated into one map. Check out turkeyseason.com. Click on the map. So, before I introduce you to, uh, to the friends of Ben Rogers Lee, I want to I give you a few facts about Ben that are going to come up often uh, in the next couple of episodes. I want to, I want to frame this conversation before we dive in. So a few point points of fact about Ben. Number one, Ben, uh, was born in Starkville, Mississippi on December 3rd, 1944. I've already told you that he passed away in a single car crash on October 7th of 1991, 46 years old. Uh, Ben, between the years of 1969 and nineteen eighty, won 16 Turkey calling competitions across this country. Uh, he was married twice. Uh, his first wife, Patsy, uh, and then to uh, Mary Alice until his death in 1991. Ben and Patsy had two children, Gail and Ben Jr. Uh, You're going to hear this a lot. Ben was a large man. Uh, At one point, estimated to weigh over 400 pounds. Uh, In the mid 80s, he did have a gastric bypass uh, to to get down to uh, right around 150 pounds is what everyone says. Um, Ben owned a call company based in Coffeeville, Alabama, his longtime home. Lee turkey calls, lead game calls, I think, is what it became known uh, later uh, in life. So Ben, and, and you're going to learn this, was known for his dynamic personality. Uh, he, he would travel all over the country doing seminars, uh, doing calling competitions, and, and, and quite frankly, it is impossible to overstate how big that his star actually was in the 70s uh and, and 80s. Ben Lee was, he was flat out the king of turkey hunting. And the first friend that I want to introduce you to is a man named Tom Stuckey. And here, Tom and I are talking about what it was like to be around Ben Lee.
3: I mean, you know, that's where we are today. People just love. Uh, you know, real people, people that are are the grassroots type people, uh you know, they could, is anybody from the, the smartest people on earth, maybe down to the least educated person, could love being around Ben. I mean, you know, he, he just was that infectious personality. The big old round boy, the guy who tells all the jokes from Alabama. And he get down there and you know how it is in the south versus the north. You know, he'd get up there, hey y'all, how y'all doing? Hey, what are you yupping on up there now? You know, he he start that he'd start that Southern Draw stuff and it and especially in the north, they said, What'd he say? How, what did he what did he did he just say yelp or yep or what'd he say? <laughs> you know, and and it, it just people just loved it. And uh, but he was so kind to everybody and he was so infectious shaking hands and signing autographs and and, and when somebody bought a call and, and they didn't like, he's give me that call. I don't, you don't want that call. He'd throw that one in the trash can here get, try this one out see what you think. And people say, man, he didn't just do that. Did he? Yeah. He, he would do it. I mean, that's just the way he was.
0: There's one thing that I promise you're going to learn about Ben Lee. And, and that is his dynamic personality. People flocked to him. People that that he didn't know, people that didn't know him, friends. Everyone loved to be around his dynamic personality. So I want to I want to dive into um, some of the early early years of of Ben. And and Ben was born in Starkville, Mississippi. Lived for a long time in the small town of Coffeeville, Alabama. So the 2020 census, there's 262 people. Uh, that lived in Coffeeville, and it's on the banks of the Tom Bigby River in western Alabama. So fairly close to the Mississippi border. If you took, uh, a, a, if you drew a straight line up from Mobile, uh, you'll hit Coffeeville. And so, so Coffeeville was the home of of Bentley Turkey Calls, and I don't have a ton of information about the early childhood years of of Bentley. Um a, a few of the examples that I have, uh, I'm gonna play for you now. I sat down um and chatted with with Rob Keck, the former NWTF CEO, uh, longtime friend of Ben Lee. And he told me uh about the story that was relayed to him by Ben about the first wild turkey that Ben ever killed. Here's Rob.
2: And Ben, like myself, we started out hunting turkeys in the fall long before we ever hunted them in the spring. You know, Ben learned from his daddy and uh, uh, at an early age. In fact, uh, I can remember him telling about uh, killing his first turkey. Uh, his mother had sent him down to the hog pen to, uh, to feed the hogs. And uh, while he was there, he saw a big bird fly up into a tree. And he said to himself, he thought, you know, that must be a goose for a bird that big. And so he went back up to the to the house, and uh, he got him an old paper haul number five and slipped it into that single barrel. And he slipped down and got in underneath that tree, and he saw there were several up there in that tree and uh, shot one of them down. And when it hit the ground and he got up to it, to his surprise, it was a gobbler. And, uh, you know, he said it was sort of an unusual way to get into turkey hunting. But uh, his dad and his brother were out turkey hunting that day, and he brought it up to the house, showed it to his mother, and she said, you know, to hang it on the back porch. And anyway, uh, when his daddy came home, uh, his mother said, uh to go go look out on the back porch, and his dad, where where did that turkey come from? And he told him the story about shooting that that gobbler out of the tree when he went to go slop the hogs. And uh, anyway, he just had so many stories that were sometimes bordered on being
0: unbelievable. So we've got the case of the mistaken goose, which was actually a turkey. That is, uh, as Ben would have put it, uh, the beginning of his turkey hunting career. Uh, Rob touched on a point right there at the end that is something that um, when we talk about the legend of Ben Lee, which is what episode two is completely dedicated to, uh, stories that they were unbelievable. And it's almost like they were so, a lot of these stories were so outlandish, they were true. and. It's part of the personality that I've learned over, over the, the hours and hours and hours that I've spent with, the, with Ben's friends that that was just who he was. And, and he was an entertainer and he was a wonderful man and people loved to be around him. And the stories that he told and the life experiences that he told start to create a character. They start to create kind of like the first turkey hunting archetype of, of modern times. And, and, and he was just as big as you could possibly imagine. And so I want to introduce you to someone that spent a tremendous amount of time hunting, working, living, uh, becoming a friend of, of, of Ben Lee, a dear friend. Uh, Ben was a mentor to him. This is Terry Rom. Were you when you met Ben when that first year there in 75 when you stayed down there? Probably 17 or 18. Okay. Um, did he like, did he tell you I'm like, wait, where he grew up? And did he ever talk about family stuff when he was younger or was it all just business and turkey hunting?
4: It was very little. I mean, some family stuff. I mean, he he worked at a CB Gaggy chemical company for years and he just got into the hunting part. I get, and you know, I often heard him say when he left the house, his dad gave him one shell, you know, and things were, things were poor, you know, and he either had to come home with something to eat or he didn't get nothing to eat. You know, one of those stories, but uh, I think his dad was a school teacher and I think his dad taught ag or something. And I think his mother may have been a school teacher, but uh, Ben was different. I mean, he, he knew in his mind, he, he didn't, uh, I'll put it this way. Ben never wore a watch. Okay. Never. Mm-hmm. I've never seen him with a watch on. Never seen him. And he just, time to him was now. And I'll never forget after, you know, he'd say, boys, we're going to be leaving at nine o'clock next morning. We're headed to Oklahoma. I said, he said, be ready. I said, okay. So I'd be at the shop, everything packed, everything, but just waiting to load the truck up when he'd show up. But like he'd show up about one o'clock, <laughs> you know. And after after a few years, it's like, okay, Ben, I, I see where this is, you know. And, and but that was just him. It was just spur of the moment. Let us go do it and and uh, have fun with it.
0: Yeah. Did so? Did he ever talk about like learning to turkey hunt or you know when that? I mean, obviously, he dove headfirst into it. When did that transition happen for him? Where it was just like I'm, you know, we're like turkey hunting just kind of defined who he was.
4: You know, that's that's a good question. Uh, I think you know the South has had longer spring seasons than the North. I'm pretty sure, and that spring turkey hunting was just it was a just a way of life. I mean, everybody. Everybody seemed to turkey hunt, but again, no one wanted to share knowledge. No one wanted to say, where are you hunting or where are you going or, or, uh, any of that. But I think he just learned to adapt to it. And, and the calling part of it, I think is what intrigued him when you're communicating with an animal. And he was always intrigued by that. Uh, how can I beat him? You know what I mean? It's it, how do I beat this animal at his own game? And, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of talk of oh, Ben's so big, he can't hunt, he can't go here. I seen that man wade beaver ponds up almost up to his neck trying to get to a turkey.
0: Wading beaver ponds up to your neck chasing turkeys. What wouldn't Ben do for a turkey? I, you know, I, for one, Can say, if there's a goblin turkey on the other side of a creek or beaver pond, I am getting in there without a doubt. So I think we're starting to see kind of the, the larger than life personality, the larger than life storyteller that Ben Lee was. We could go, we could talk for a week straight about some of the stories that Ben Lee had. And I started this podcast with a clip from one of the seminars that Ben was talking. If you listen close, you can hear the sound of the recorders clicking on. You can hear the sound of the tape, the hum of the tape in the background. Here's the back half of that story.
1: She she'll run up on a gotcha, you know, that's one of them other kinds. And they'll rub up against each other. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, they start this thing, you know, and it don't happen but once a year if it didn't happen but once a year to you folks you might get up at four o'clock in the morning and start gobbling <laughs> on the land but <laughs> well, you got to understand you know once a year is a big deal for them and uh, this here turkey you know it don't last but three weeks ain't nobody told that old gobbler that it ain't gonna last for three weeks she'll get up in the morning time and she'll he'll tell the world how sweet it is and he'll sort of find that truth waiting for it to get daylight before they can see each other, you know <laughs> they ain't got no wipes out there anymore <laughs> and them my turkeys they get together for these three weeks and boy, it's a beautiful affair Evermore, Ever morning, every evening you know, they ain't eating, ain't doing nothing you know, just the other thing and uh, three weeks she starts sitting out there in them woods she's laid a few eggs, you know he gets up there in the morning at four o'clock, you know, and the old owl way off he'll owl, wakes him up and he'll boy he just half his alarm. I mean, he's just ready for everything to happen. The sun comes up big and pretty. He flies down that. A little old hen don't yip. And he don't understand that, you know. And two or three days later, you know, he's up there in that tree, you know, three o'clock in the morning two or three more mornings, he's up at one o'clock. He doesn't run up and down the limb so much he's slick. He's in trouble. He'll fly down there and he'll walk out in the field and there'll be a crow there and he'll attack the crow. (laughs) Ain't nobody told him the difference. Man, he walks up and down them roads there and everything and do you realize you go out there in them woods with one of these here turkey collars, how dangerous it could be? Just imagine going out there and saying, He'll say, Oh my God, she's back. He ain't looking enough. He's just running up that hill, gonna jump on you. You know what happened? He jumped on your head.
0: As we learn more and more about Ben Lee and we listen to that example of a seminar that he did at some point in the 80s, we, we start to understand the passion that Ben had for bringing people into the sport of turkey hunting, that he had for teaching people how to turkey hunt, for selling turkey calls, and just for hunting turkeys uh, himself. I, I asked Terry about his first turkey hunt with Ben Lee and some of the things that he'd learned along the way uh, in his time with Ben and how he became a better turkey hunter because of that. Here is Terry Rahm talking about his experience turkey hunting with Bentley. What So do, do you remember the first hunt that you ever went on with Ben? You
4: know, people ask me all the time about hunting with Ben, and Ben had a unique way of teaching somebody. Okay, A very unique teaching method. And that was, he would get you so fired up about turkey hunting, you couldn't wait to get there. But he made you earn it. Mm. He just didn't take you and set you down and call you up a turkey. There's very, very few times Ben and I ever sat down and hunted the same turkey. And he yeah, would right. take me up to the Scotch management area and that's where I learned out, listening to Ben, really, he would drop me off in the morning, and he'd say, here, hunt here, I'm going to go down here and hunt. Well, that's when he he had that old Chevy shortbed truck, and I could hear him going. He dropped me off in the dark, I mean, dark, dark. And I'd hear him rolling down the road. You know, the tires just howling in that old red, Red dirt, and he get out and, whoo, whoo,
0: whoo, 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 whoo,
4: and I hear him. He wouldn't hear nothing. You hear that truck crank up and back down the road he goes. So he's he's riding locating turkeys while he's dropping me off, and I got to use my legs. Yeah, you know. So it it taught me a lot. It did because riding like that, I wouldn't have learned what I learned with Ben just saying, "Here's a good spot. Get out and hunt." Yeah. You know. And just, I think from anybody trying to learn to hunt turkeys with so many media things now with YouTube and podcasts like yours and different things to learn from, you can separate the bull from, okay, no, I don't like that, but I do like what I heard here, you know. And that's kind of the way I I approached it. And and, uh, so it was It was definitely a learning curve for a a Yankee to be in the South hunting the Piney Woods versus Big Hardwoods, you know.
0: So just for context, let me give you a little background on Terry Rom. Terry, born and raised in Pennsylvania, lives in the state of Georgia. Uh, He was the first winner. He won the first two Grand National Calling competitions in 1977 and 1978 for the National Ontario Federation. Uh, He was inducted into the NWTF. Hall of Fame in 2019, one of the first inductees into the Hall of Fame, Uh, longtime employee of Tinks. Uh, Terry is just one heck of a turkey hunter, a wonderful man, sits on the board of directors for Turkeys for Tomorrow. This guy flat out knows turkeys. One of the best that has ever been, Terry Rahm. So to hear how he really learned from Ben, tough love, it sounds like, that's a really neat Really neat story. I want to bring in another one of uh, Ben's friends and, and one of the you know original members, if you will, of, of his circle uh, back in the, the early stages of, of modern turkey hunting culture. Uh, we've heard from him once. Tom Stuckey, uh, native of, uh, of Pennsylvania, lives in South Carolina now, longtime NWTF employee, also a Grand National Calling Champion, wonderful, wonderful man, And once again, one heck of a turkey hunter. So this this conversation that I had with Tom was about Ben in the turkey woods. And remember, remember Ben Lee, one giant of an individual. Here's Tom.
3: Let me tell you something. When you hunted with Ben Lee, you took one of the largest critters in the whole woods trying to walk around that woods. Like the slickest cat you ever walked with. He was, he was a he was a turkey hunting deluxe. And there never was a turkey that he he didn't think he couldn't call in. I'm not saying he called everyone in, but it didn't matter. I mean, he'd get out, he he'd listen to a turkey and goblin. He said, No, I don't want him. He listened to another turkey now and he, all of a sudden another guy he said, there's one that wants to die. Let's go kill him. And he'd know exactly which one to go after, and, and he could read a turkey. He could read the whole situation. Uh, he was, he just, he had it. He had it when nobody had it. And, uh, you know, he just, he knew it. He could, when he wanted to, he could walk through the woods. Uh, he, just, uh, he just, he was a good hunter. That's all there was to it. He was a hard hunter. He was a good hunter. Uh, then latter part of the time I was with him, you know, he'd always looked to not walk anymore and he absolutely had to, but, uh, he could walk. If he wanted to go get one, it was going to happen. At least that's the way it was when I was with him.
0: So I want to kind of frame up what was going on, uh, in in the world of wild turkey hunting, in the late '70s, in you know the early to mid '80s, so the wild turkey was in the post restoration phase. So a lot of work had been done over the past couple of decades to restore huntable wild turkey populations across uh, the country. And so once that was kind of complete, the the huntable populations had been restored across the country and a lot of habitat work had been done by state agencies. Um, Keep in mind, the NWTF was formed in 1973. So there was a lot that was going on in the world of turkey hunting. And turkey hunting was not very popular amongst the hunting public at the time. And so all of this work had been done for the wild turkey but people weren't experiencing it they weren't hunting turkeys like they were today so you know we're not going to debate the conservation model of in this country on this on the show at the time we needed more people to be turkey hunters more people to care about the resource to care about the wild turkey the more eyes that you have on something the more protection you can provide to it and and that was kind of the the, the mentality of a lot of the, the the thought leaders of the wild turkey at the time. The more people we have, and so so Ben Lee was really I can't I can't stress this enough. And 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 the next couple of stories are really going to hammer this point home. I can't ex, I can't just explain enough how important Ben Lee was in bringing more people into the sport of turkey hunting. And he did that through passion. He did that through public speaking. He, he did that through being authentic and engaging. And this next story, we're, we're going back to, to my, my chat with Rob Keck, former NWTF CEO, um, just kind of about Ben, ben Lee's personality, his, his dynamic nature that drew people to him. And we're really going to dive and drill down into Ben's impact on turkey hunting in the early years of modern turkey hunting culture, and we're going to start to unpack the impact and the, and, and the influence that he has to this day now. Here's Rob.
2: You know, Ben was one that, uh, you know, he fed that, that need. I mean, in those days, I can remember uh, those early days in the 70s, that when you would announce there was going to be a turkey calling contest, wherever it was held, the room, the auditorium, the stadium was packed. I mean packed. People wanted to learn. They wanted to hear. They wanted to see uh, just, you know, what calling was like and what they could try to learn from that and, and try to imitate in their own calling and hunting scenarios. And Ben played a big role in that area. Uh, you know, Ben was never in the grand national calling championships, which the first one were in 1977 in, uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and Robbie Rom, uh, or I mean, Terry Rom, won, I think it was first two, but, uh, you know, it was a time when those contests were held that Ben would be there as an entertainer, not only just a caller. I mean, they'd give a seminar, they'd, You know, he'd give a talk. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that, uh, man, he could just warm the crowd up. He could make them laugh. Uh, I mean, he was an entertainer. In fact, if you look at Ben, uh, here's a guy with so many different words that would describe him. You know, it's a name that was synonymous with turkey hunting. And certainly he elevated the words turkey hunting and the idea of turkey hunting and calling but you know some of those names that you know you'd find sonata that that ben was i mean he was a professional guide he was a wildlife management consultant he was a lecturer he was a turkey call manufacturer uh a speaker a humorist uh, a goodwill ambassador for turkey hunting and he came at a time when he had a rapt audience uh i think if ben would have come at a time like right now wouldn't have had near the impact that he did back then because there were very very few well-known hunters and he knew how to use the press lee lawrence wrote many 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 stories that uh uh he was on with hunts that he was on with ben and got published far and wide and that's at a time you know when hunting magazines were certainly uh you know, the place that people went to get information. I mean, we didn't have social media back then, and there wasn't outdoor television back then. And, uh, you know, gosh, if uh, if there was a Mount Rushmore of legendary turkey hunters and callers, Ben Lee would certainly have his face carved in that granite. And, uh, you know, for some of the reasons... uh, uh I mean he was larger than life. He was obviously a, a big guy. Uh you know, at times he was 350 in weight. There were times he was well over four hundred and uh you couldn't miss him. And uh just a jovial kind of person and uh you know just one of those kind of people that, that drew people to him. People wanted to listen to him. And uh you know, a lot of that came from him being in the Deep South. He put Alabama on the map. He put Coffeeville, Alabama, on the map. And uh, of course, Alabama having that long history. In fact, they had turkey hunting seasons longer than any other state in the country. When Ben would go come up north to Pennsylvania, I mean, people love to hear that Southern talk, to hear that Southern drawl, and he just, you know, just sort of magically intertwine them into the stories that that he had some of them true some of them not so true but uh, he knew how to spin a yarn for sure
0: so as ben star was burning as bright as it possibly could he had taken a couple guys under his wing and was developing and we've been hearing from those guys Terry Rom and, and, and Rob Keck and Tom Stuckey and we're gonna hear from from another gentleman here uh, here in a little bit but I'm going to play this this interview this this segment from my interview with Terry where he just tells just kind of, of, of funny interactions with Ben and I asked him about things that that Ben did that drove him nuts and, and you know what I'm talking about if you spend enough time with your hunting buddy, uh, in, in the turkey woods and driving around in the truck. There's always things that you love them, but it drives you nuts about them. And so I asked Terry that same, that very same question about Ben Lee, and here was his response. Um, did, did, so, I mean, you guys obviously, you just spent a lot of time together. Um, and when you spend enough time with people that you really care about, you develop things that just absolutely drive you nuts that they do. Was there anything that you were just like, Ben, stop doing that. <laughs> or anything that was just like, man, I got to turn away. You drive me nuts. Was it like, I, I do not mean like something funny. I don't mean something, um, you know, mean or anything, but just something like, did he have anything that was just like, just this drove you absolutely nuts. It's some of his, uh, how do I want to say it? Uh, he, he
4: would see stuff coming and knew it, but he wouldn't tell you about it. And kind of mm. uh, uh, like one example, like we were in Oklahoma and it had rained some and we we're trying to cross this creek. And we had some guys from Levi Garrett there because that's back when we were doing some stuff with Levi Garrett and, call, call championships and stuff. And we were taking them hunting and different things, but he knew he couldn't get across that Creek. But in my mind, I, I wasn't sure, but he knew it. He he knew something was going to happen, but he had people watching him. And I, it, it sort of reminds me of the bandit, you know, uh, the movie, uh, Burt Reynolds. If someone was yeah. watching, he was going to try something, you know, so here we go across this creek and we get about halfway across and we start spinning and spinning and the next thing you know we're we're not stuck but we're slowly getting there and now the water's coming in the floorboards. Now I, I know Ben knew we something was gonna happen, but ended up next thing you know, feet's getting wet, back of the bottom of the seats getting wet. And that's when I realized my Nikon camera that I was so in love with wasn't waterproof. Yeah. Oh my I'd taken a bunch of pictures with that camera and stuff and there it is floating in the floorboards. And I'm thinking so it's just little things like that. Now he knew something was going to happen and it, it was like we're, we're, in a, we're riding some old backwater and backwater stays forever in Alabama. I mean it just, it takes a long time to recede but turkeys get up on ridges in there. And so we're going through some backwater. And I said, Ben, should we lock in the hubs? No, we'll be all right. Next thing you know, we're spinning. He said, little man, get out and lock in the hubs. And it's like, Ben, the the tires are underwater, you know. (laughs) Here I am hanging off the hood or the bumper trying to reach over and unlock the hubs. You know, it was just things like that that I knew I knew he knew it was going to happen, and but overall, you, it was it was just and not being on time that, that probably drove me as crazy as anything. Just if if you're yeah. gonna if we're leaving at nine o'clock in the morning, let's leave
0: at nine, not at
4: one, you know, because then it's then it's catch up. We got to get there. We got to get
0: there, and so that, that was you're driving all night at that mm-hmm. point, right?
1: I take all these folks hunting, I'm going to tell you a story right now, a true story It actually happened with me and this general. I worked down at that Brooklyn Air Force Base, the one that they closed up. I know why they closed it up too. I was working down there and this general heard about me calling and taking folks to deer hunting and turkey hunting and so forth. He called me over to his office and I never had been. I wore tennis shoes all the time then. He called me in his office on a carpet about four inches thick and he had a thing sitting behind a desk there that was fit, oh lord. She was just perfect, everything about her. There wasn't nothing wrong with her that I could see, and I watched a lot. He said, I want you to take me a turkey hunting. I've killed bear and moose and everything, and I want to go turkey hunting before I retire. I said, well, I'll be glad to take you this weekend. He said, I want to take a whole week off. He said, just what about taking some time off? I said, I ain't got no time off. He said, bring your card over here tomorrow, and she'll punch it for you. I said, what about the boss? He said, your boss, I signed his paycheck, too. I said, oh. So I got on the program of not doing anything down there. I was a head guide at Brooklyn Air Force Base. I took them all to hunt. I punched in and punched out to go hunting. I was the only fella down there that they couldn't find a classification for. And I told him, I said, well, you need a good shotgun. We need a four-wheel drive vehicle. So he said, I'll take care of everything. And I didn't realize this man meant, what is it? He went and bought a three-hole gun. One of them's got shotgun on top of it and a big rifle under the bottom. Got a slang on it. Had a brand-new Jeep sitting in front of his office. Two cases of wild turkey whiskey in there. <laughs> and he's ready to go turkey hunting. I punch out, you know. We drive up there to Silas, Alabama. Little bitty place over close to Waynesburg, Mississippi. Most of you folks don't know where Waynesburg is, but it's bigger than Silas. We got up there, you know, we went out there in them woods that morning, you know, And old turkey gobbled, and I started to call him to him. And he had funny glasses on, didn't have no catchers on behind you. He just sat on his nose. And he sat there a while, a mosquito light, and he'd get to wiggling his nose and his glasses would fall off, and that gold chain would rattle. It held him up there. Well, he run out and off, slapping the mosquitoes. After three or four times there, you know, I'd just get in disgust. My trigger finger, there's something about me. When a turkey gets up there and he should be killed... I just want him killed. And it was time to kill him. And after three disheartening places, I said, I got to do something with this fella. It's driving me crazy. I done demoted him, to first lieutenant. He wasn't no general when it come to turkey hunting. So we went out there the next morning, bright and early out there. Him turkeys out there gobbling everywhere, you know. Called one up 12 steps, and he, I'll get him then. Boom. <clears throat> Boom! And then that rifle went off, and the acorns even fell out of trees, and that thing went off. That turkey was beating it so hard, he, I know he was deaf because he busted both eardrums on me. That turkey left there just a flying, you know. I said, "Boy, I got to do something about this situation. I was going crazy." So I went over to Mister Hare's house. I said, "How many tame turkeys you got?" I, said, I got three gobblers. I said, "I want them. all three of them." I said, "He ain't gonna miss on three." <laughs> So I got that turkey, and their tails, you know, when a wild turkey's brown, well, these was white, so I went down to the hardware store and bought me a can of brown spray paint. <laughs> He'd got brown tail feathers. His feet wasn't like a wild, and a wild turkey's feet is pink. So I went and got me some iodine. <laughs> pink legs. They looked so natural, two or three turkey hunters thought they was a real thing. So the next morning, I had my brother. I said, now, I'm going to drive down there that big field and when I slammed the truck door, I said, don't make no difference. He's going to slam his. I've been telling him for a week, ease your door or do Don't slam it. I said, when you hear him slam it, and I slam mine, just throw the turkey out and go on. Huh? So we was a little late getting there. It's almost daylight. Slammed them doors, and showing sure up he threw that turkey out. And I yelped and I yelped and I yelped. And ain't heard nothing. Seen it, and the turkey got away. A tame turkey got away. I said, Lord, we went back in. We didn't have another long beard. So we snatched his little old short beard off and took one of them big long ones and sold it on there. It looked good. <laughs> the next morning, I said, don't leave till the turkey starts coming to me. does got all this time, wasting money invested in this tame turkey and he ain't given one yet. So the next morning, he throwed him out and he started walking around the field and the turkey started falling. <laughs> <laughs> just following him walking along he said well goodness he said you yep you know where the turkey he said I run about 50 yards he said the turkey run 50 yards he said I run 100 yards he said the turkey run 50 he said so I didn't know what to do so in a few minutes I'm sitting there and I see my brother coming I said not again you know lost another turkey he come walking up there and sat down you know and me being the world champion and all he said let me yep I think I can call one up not knowing to me what's going on you know he hit that yepper uh, He was that old boss Called about three times That old turkey said Pink. old general Looked up And he said I see you <laughs> He looked over He said Ben I've been hunting With the wrong guide For four days <laughs> I said yeah This is a miracle You know The old turkey Just keeps on coming 20 yards You know I said kill him general I got him Boom, and old turkey straightened up ain't cut not one feather he looked over and took his glass off. said don't worry I'll get him with other bird put his glass back on boom, and he crippled him a little bit just a little bit and old turkey ran out about 10 yards and stopped and he took that rifle and he fired it again and the ground shook under us so and everything else and he hit that turkey right through the back end Well, all them feathers is joined together and these feathers six foot high in the air. They ain't nothing but a cloud of feathers. And the turkey by this time realized he's in danger. He's in danger. He starts up at their heel of running. And I say, take this here brining of mine and fire him. So well, he, he does, you know, running fire. Boom, boom, He didn't just, just shot the leaves up for about ten foot up the road there. The old turkey's running, and him and my brother's running, and he lost his glasses. I said, I'll get you glasses. Just get the turkey, you know. <laughs> hill they go, you know, and I come over the hill there, and the general's got one of them fat lightered sticks in his hand, rich pine, we call them lighter knots, and he's whooping that turkey with it. My brother's got him by the feet, and the old turkey, you know, he's a flopping around, I ain't got no feathers hardly at all. And the old general looked up at me, you know, and he said, "They ain't so tough after all, all that.
0: As I've worked through this project about, about Ben Lee, I've, I've, I've learned so much about Ben. I've learned so much about his friends, about his personality, about just his his magnetism, his, his passion for wild turkeys and for turkey hunters. And throughout this process, I have over 20 hours of raw audio interview that I've done with, with the you know, the, the people that were closest to to Ben Lee. And I've tried to tell this this first part of the story. I my my whole goal of this was to to bring you, the listener of this podcast, into the world of Ben Lee at the time. Uh, and, and to show the the good parts, the fun parts of Ben Lee. We're not done. There's a ton of fun. Uh, and a ton of good left uh, in, in this story. But I wanted to kind of to give you an inside look at the at the character uh, and the personality of Ben Lee the man and give you a little insight into into how he turkey hunted. And, and I think that I've done that. And I, we're, we're, we're gonna put a bow on this episode with with a, a very special guest for me. and I, I can't I can't thank Terry and Tom and Rob Keck enough for, for their time for, for this process uh, in this interview. Um, if we look, like, it, when I look at my turkey hunting heritage, uh, this man was, was in a roundabout way, instrumental in teaching me how to turkey hunt. And he was the, the one person, I read his books, I watched his TV show, I listened to everything. you had CDs, DVDs, tapes, everything that I could get my hands on. And when, when I when I first started turkey hunting, because I didn't have a mentor, you know, YouTube wasn't around to to you know to absorb all that information. And Ray I taught me how to turkey hunt through his books. And I was thrilled to get to talk to to the man that, that I credit with with my turkey hunting ability. And and Ray's name kept coming up. <laughs> All the time in conversation with these with these guys and different folks that you'll hear later down uh, down the line here. Um, so I, I I was I was able to get Ray's number. I tracked him down. I sent him a text, told him what I was doing. He said I'd love to chat, and I, and my heart exploded. I was so excited. So Ray, thank you so much for your time. But we're gonna put a bow on this episode. Ray's gonna talk about you know the first time that he met Ben and. And we're going into the next episode is, is the legend of Ben Lee. And if you think that the stories that you've heard today on this episode are wild, wait till episode two. You're not going to want to miss episode two. I promise you that. It is some of the wildest stories that you've ever heard in the turkey world, and they are amazing. Amazing. And so here is Ray I talking about his friend. Benley, your name came up a bunch, and it always came up in a a, a lot in the context of like um, the people that were kind of in Ben's circle and were influenced by Benley. Mm-hmm. And and so I thought, you know, I've been trying to reach out to to as many people as I can just to to have a, a really good understanding of who he was, good and bad. And there's plenty yeah. of good, and there's plenty of bad uh, that I've learned. Um, and so. I'm, that's why i sent you a text i'm like ray your name keeps coming up people keep people keep talking about you in some well, <laughs> in some context well, I'm like, i gotta know why so you've been you've been talking to my brothers i'll tell you
5: that yeah. they're family to me everyone that you mentioned there they're all family uh i met terry in 1977 in hershey pennsylvania at the first nwtf convention yeah that's a we've long... been friends good friends ever since you know i mean we're all a family. It's it's great. I've, it's been an incredible run. Great people. And when you say Ben or Ben Lee, Ben Rogers Lee, uh those that know him just start smiling. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh boy, what a character. Man, he was something else.
0: Yeah. The the one the one thing that I've learned through all of this is just what you said. I mean, you guys start smiling. You, you it's 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 a lot of um like deep reflection and reminiscing just about your, about your friend. And yeah. I've, I've asked this same question of everyone that I've talked to. And, and it's just, it's a pure curiosity question. Why was his personality just so, I mean, just magnetic. I mean, to everybody that was around him.
5: Cause he was so humorous about everything. And he, he would just, he'd light up a room. <laughs> he'd do a seminar. Uh, the humor that he had, was just, he was he was he was just really good at that. Uh, well, I, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, not just humor, but uh, the guy was just a self-promoter. Everything he did, you know. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, we worked this analyst boat and sports show back in the seventies. Okay, it was huge. It was huge. In the early eighties, I was presenting seminar, and Ben was coming in to do a seminar. Now, only Ben Lee. Let me tell you, only Ben Lee never seen this done before never seen it since ben comes to the St. Louis boat and sports show and we're waiting for him to arrive we're at a booth waiting for him to come in we're going to do our seminars right over the loudspeaker over the the system for the entire entire uh complex uh the announcer comes up lady says ladies and gentlemen world champion ben rogers lee has just entered the building <laughs> that's classic ben lee okay only ben would have thought of that and pulled that off Because he wanted people to know he was there. It was just, oh, it was amazing. You know, know, and and it worked. You know, people crowded around him anyway. I mean, he was real popular, but people crowded around him because, you know, he made a big deal out of it. But who would have thought about, you know, going to the PA system and (laughs) having him announce something like that? And to this day, I don't know how he talked him into doing it. That's so funny. You know? Yeah. But Ben's personality, uh, he was so quick. And, you know, something probably you can't use, but it was just the little things he would do, like we were at a NWTF uh, fundraiser one time years ago and they were auctioning off stuff. And they said, well, well uh, you know, talking about a camouflage watch or watch band or something. And then they said, uh, then the guys were joking up front and they said, how about some uh, camouflage underwear? Maybe we can auction off some camouflage underwear. And they did some shirts and stuff. And Ben Lee pops off and says, there's three brown spots count.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh that, my God. That gosh. was Ben Lee. Yeah. Just quick witted.
5: Yeah, just so quick. Guy already got it out of his mouth. and says that. But uh, Ben was, was good with that. He was just so funny.
0: Yeah.
5: And it, uh, he was a great friend. I did just absolutely love Ben. We, you know, I'd, all the turkey calling contests, you know, back in the day, Southeast opened the world championship down there. You know, he came, to, he came to Missouri in 1978 to Kansas City to the second NWTF convention. And that's when we became friends. Uh, Terry Rom had come in, and 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 uh, a bunch of the guys from out east that I had met the year before, and uh, it was it was just awesome, and got to know Ben. And he was so funny, and uh, we we ran calling contests together. We did seminars all over the country. You know, we worked all the shows. Of course, we did the NWTF show and did a lot of things. But boy, he, you know, it was always. You know, part about Ben, it was always. Like, we went to Scranton, Pennsylvania for the Levi Garrett All-American Contest, and we were on a uh, a shuttle bus from the airport to go over to the hotel, and there was a big group of us on the shuttle bus, and were other people, too, and Ben was talking about, look at these hills, you know these hills are full of turkeys, and the guy said, well, how do you know they're full of turkeys, Ben says, I can tell you what, I can just look out there and tell you the turkeys are here, like that. And the shuttle bus, and then he turned around and said, "Look, there's one right there." And there was a turkey squatted in the middle of the highway that the driver had to go around.
0: Oh my goodness! Now, I
5: mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that for years.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! You're almost <laughs> like, did okay. Did... He
5: said, "Well, look. He just as, he says, look, there's one right now." I'm pointing out the front window of that shuttle bus.
0: Oh my goodness! And you guys are just sitting there, like, how's he doing? Yeah, you know that that, that sort of things, but yeah. you know, you got to vent.
5: Ben paved the way for all of us, for me and others in the business. Ben was the first one to take turkey calling and turkey hunting to the next level and get it out to the general public. Uh, You know, there were some great people in the beginning of our turkey hunting and calling, you know, Ben's Woods guys and and on and on, you know, Lynch and all that. But Ben Lee took it to the next level, and he paved the way for us to be able to go out and and promote and and get out and do seminars and, and work in the turkey industry. Uh, Ben Ben was the guy, you know, Ben Lee went on the Mike Douglas television show that was unheard of in that day of a turkey hunter being on a, you know, a television show like that. Yeah.
0: You know, I talking with, with Tom Stuckey and and Rob Keck, they, and Terry, they, all of them said that, I mean, it was almost verbatim what they said. Uh, and, and I think you'll probably agree that, that Ben Lee was the right guy at the right time for turkey hunting. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and funny stuff, stuff you probably can't use. You know, when he later
5: on uh you know, I seen Ben everywhere. We we did a lot of stuff together, us group, the same guys you were just mentioning. But you know, he had that surgery. The guys talk about the surgery he had to oh, lose yeah. weight. Yep. And uh and they probably all told you that he had C on an airplane, they evacuated an airplane because he had such bad gas. And uh, the problem with Ben that we had all of us guys was whenever we were at a show or something and Ben was up speaking, we had to stay out of the hall because if he'd see you, he'd say, ain't that right, Ray? I?" You, ask Ray <laughs> I right there. He would tell you that's a true story. So we, we'd all kind of like hide when he was speaking. Oh, he, yeah. He, but, but he'd get up and he'd talk about he had seed pinned between him and the, and the side, and he said, they evacuated an airplane. And they did. But uh, I one time we were in uh, Iowa, and we were at a calling contest. Ben was doing a seminar, and I was doing a seminar, and uh, – they had Ben up front, the judge in the calling contest. And they were getting right, they was doing the calling contest. Anyway, the guy was up there, and, and Ben had had this surgery, and he had the really, really bad gas. And I, I had just come down from the judge's table, was standing in front of the room. Ben looked over to the MC, he was talking. He said, Excuse me. He said, he said, We need to take a break. And the guy turned around and said, No, we can't take a break. He kept talking. Ben says, No, you don't understand. I can't even tell you the story. He, he says, if You don't understand. We got to take a break. And then Ben looked out at us. All of us guys had known he made that face. <laughs> we, we was like, "Oh boy!" And so Ben says, "Well, the last time I'm gonna warn you, we need to take a break." He needed to go to the bathroom, mm. uh, and he had a big gas attack. Anyway, guys, about that time, green wave hit everybody. You ought to see them scatter from the table up there. They, were, the whole like four to five rows back, people got up and left the Room. That's oh how gosh. bad it was. And Ben just sat up there and laughed. You should've seen him. He was just like heaving. He was laughing so hard. And then he's hollered, typical Bentley says. I tried to warn him. They wouldn't listen.
0: <laughs> I hope that you've enjoyed this first episode, "The Life of Bentley," Volume One. Uh, I, 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 I have to say, the, the the thing that touched me the most throughout all of this is hearing these men talk so fondly of their friend and and remembering the good times, reminiscing about the fun that they had, the positive impact that, that he had, but also acknowledging and working through and processing all of these years down the road some of the negative things that happened to Ben and, and watching their friend struggle. Uh, but the enduring legacy for all of these guys is how much they enjoyed their friend, Ben Lee. And it was a pleasure just to get to talk to them and hear the stories. And we've got so many more stories coming your way. So The Legend of Ben Lee will be volume two in this series. I cannot tell you how excited I am to put that out. Uh, into the world. And for you, the listeners of this fine podcast to hear the stories that have helped create the legendary figure that is Ben Lee, we're going to break that down. We're going to talk to some really interesting people outside of the turkey hunting world. They're going to help us understand why we put so much stock and and we enjoy people with such big personalities and, and how we create heroes. Throughout our lives So episode 2 will release in 2 weeks We've got a, a Dust Bowl episode Coming up next week I've got 3 of the finest young turkey hunters In the country on that episode So thank you so much for listening To this turkey season podcast I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you Please check out turkeyseason.com Click on the map If you're, if you're hunting out of state If you're planning your turkey hunts Check out the Instagram It's the turkey season Check out the TikTok The turkey season You can find me on Go Wild to search Paul Campbell. You can find me on Instagram if you so choose, Paul Campbell322. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Turkey Season Podcast, The Life of Ben Lee, Volume 1.
1: Got back from New York City. And you folks ain't never been up there, y'all need to go one time because what I'm gonna tell you ain't so. You won't believe it, you're gonna call me a lie. I got up there on that big plane, one of them ones, you know, four or five rows of seats across the middle, you know. And I had to have two of them. The seat belt would not go around me, so they got another extension. The pretty little woman scrapping it around me, too. I couldn't get her to stay very long. But I got up there, and I got out there, and I got checked into that big Rockefeller Center Hotel up there. Right by myself in New York City, a redneck from Cofferville, Alabama. And I walked outside there, and they just beat me going up there. <laughs>